It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to today's episode of Inpatient Myeloma Radio, a show that connects patients with myeloma researchers. I'm your host, Jenny Alstrom. Now, before we get started, I'd like to tell you about a new song competition that we have going called Songs for Life to help raise money for myeloma research. Um, Musicians donate inspiring songs and then are voted on by you, the crowd. Uh, This has been such a fun project so far, so take a look at songsforlife.org. We've only been into it about a week. We've got 11 songs donated so far, and they're really fun. So vote for your favorite songs and tell your musical friends to donate a song for My Loma Research. Now, we are very fortunate to have with us today one of the foremost world leaders in myeloma immunotherapy, Dr. Larry Kwok. Welcome, Dr. Kwok. Hello. I'm glad to be here, Jenny. Well, let me give a little bit of an introduction for you before we get started with our conversation. Um, Dr. Kwok is Chairman of the Department of Lymphoma and Myeloma and Co-Director of the Center for Cancer Immunology Research at the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston, where he holds the Justin Distinguished Chair in Leukemia Research. Dr. Kwok graduated from the six-year combined Bachelor of Science and MD Honors Program in Medical Education from Northwestern University Medical School and earned his Ph.D. in tumor cell biology there as well. He then completed a residency in internal medicine and a fellowship in medical oncology at Stanford University Medical Center in California. Dr. Kwok served as head of the vaccine biology section, experimental transplantation and immunology branch at the NCI for 12 years. His NCI laboratory is credited with the bench-to-clinic development of a therapeutic cancer vaccine for B-cell malignancies, this was one of the three positive phase three cancer vaccine clinical trials. His vision is to assemble and lead research teams to integrate basic discoveries from academic labs with translational clinical development of new homegrown therapeutics like next generation cancer vaccines. Dr. Quox currently sits on many boards, including the editorial board for the Journal of Clinical Oncology, the Cellular Tissue and Gene Therapies Advisory Committee for the FDA, and the Scientific Advisory Board for the Lymphoma Research Foundation. Dr. Kwok has authored or co-authored more than 160 articles and book chapters, which have been published in journals such as Science, Lancet, New England Journal of Medicine, and Nature Medicine. In May, he was named, in May of 2010, he was named to the Time 100, Time Magazine's list of the world's 100 most influential people. He's a committed physician, scientist, and mentor, and lives in Houston with his wife and their four kids. So welcome again. We are so excited to have you on because immunotherapy is such an exciting area for myeloma. Yes, it's really, Jenny, it's really an exciting time for immunotherapy uh, for many different kinds of cancers. Um, But uh, blood cancers in particular, I've always felt, uh, are are the uh, disease model where uh, 
immunotherapy, immunologic therapies uh, would be would first work, and maybe would best work. Well, maybe we'd like to start by just giving us a history of your work in cancer vaccines. And I know it was deep because um, that award says a lot. Well, well, thank you. Yes, uh, I, I actually trace my interest, uh, my personal interest in harnessing the immune system to fight cancer back to a, uh, a research laboratory experience I had as a high school student. And uh, uh, one of uh, my, my supervisor at the time was a pathologist, and uh, he really took me under his wing and uh, um, and after my duties were done each day, uh, he would uh, take me for another hour or so afterwards into his office and uh, show me slides under the microscope of, of cancer tissues and would point out the immune system cells that the, that were there in small numbers and uh, really sparked my curiosity as to why those immune system cells would be uh, would be in a cancer and uh, ultimately uh, to the idea of uh, whether uh, the immune system could in fact be harnessed to fight cancer one day. Um, and that, that whole experience, uh, although the idea was not, uh, was not new, um, uh, that uh, it was really the beginning of that field 20 or 30 years ago. And uh, uh, that really sparked my interest in wanting to become a, a dual physician and scientist, uh, making discoveries in the laboratory, and then uh, being able to take them myself into uh, into the clinic and offer them as new options to to patients. What a great experience at that time of your life! I wish yes, my kids no, would so, have that kind of experience. <laughs> well, I, I still do take a number of uh, very active in taking high school and college students into my lab, my laboratory in the summers uh, because I think it's really important to have uh, a mentor um, who will invest uh, the time and effort um, uh, and because uh, I might be training the next uh, cancer researcher who finds the cure to myeloma. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, excellent. Do you want to um, give us a description of this? I know your work started, well, maybe not started, but can you describe what you were able to do in follicular lymphoma? Sure. So um, uh, so the, we started off in uh, follicular lymphoma, as you, as you indicated, um, and uh, that was for a number of reasons. Um, the targets in lymphoma were uh, just beginning to be developed. Uh, this is now 20 years ago uh, when I began this work at, at Stanford um, and uh, and then eventually moved it to the uh, National Cancer Institute. Um, but we uh, had a well-defined target on uh, lymphoma cells. And uh, just like a, uh, a tetanus vaccine requires uh, a part of the tetanus bacteria, uh, a cancer vaccine also requires a part of the cancer cell. And in the case of cancer, though, it, it, it has to be a, a really well-defined um, target molecule because most, 99% of the, of the proteins that are expressed by cancer cells, as you may know, are also expressed by normal cells. And so for us to have a window uh, to be able to specifically attack the cancer cell, we have to identify a, a 
uh, protein target, which is uh, really almost exclusively expressed by the by the cancer cell. And this particular target, uh, uh, we were able to isolate and and purify uh, in enough uh, uh, quantity that we could actually formulate it into a vaccine. Uh, we initially did these studies in mouse models of lymphoma. Um, uh, and the purpose of those studies, uh, which was very important, was to uh, first establish the concept that a vaccine could work as a therapy. Uh, so this is different from a, a traditional infectious disease vaccine like a tetanus vaccine where you're giving it in the prevention setting. Uh, this is actually, uh, as you know, uh, these vaccines are designed to actually fight cancer, which is already established, uh, and that's a much more difficult task. Um, but we were able to show that, um, in fact, the early results in animal models were, were in fact, negative, and um, uh, they uh, either mimic the challenge that we would eventually have in um, uh, human cancer patients um, in clinical trials. But what we found we had to do in, in mouse models was to uh, was to package the target protein in such a way that the immune system would recognize it as a foreign protein. Um, and so there are several uh, immunologic tricks, uh, as it were, that we were able to optimize. Um, one was uh, coupling the, the protein to a large carrier protein, which itself makes the smaller tumor protein look more uh, visible to the immune system. Uh, and the other was to combine it with an immunologic adjuvant. Um, an adjuvant is a, is a, is a, um, is a substance which uh, non-specifically stimulates the immune system. Um, and so combining these uh, two things uh, we were able to show that the vaccine had the desired effect in mouse models. Um, uh, importantly, that they were that the vaccine could in, could elicit T cells, uh, which were specific against the tumor. Uh, that was actually a first because most of the vax cancer vaccines being developed at that time were uh, developed uh, to elicit an antibody response. Uh, and we really think that T cells are the most uh, uh, most effective against fighting cancer, and in particular myeloma, which I can explain a little later. Um, but uh, those trials, uh, those tests in animal models looked promising, and uh, so I got the privilege at the National Cancer Institute to uh, move these into f first in human clinical trials. And uh, over the course of about 10 years, uh, we progressed through phase one and phase two um, and ultimately, because of the uh, positive results, uh, to a phase, th the, a phase three randomized controlled trial, uh, which was completed, um, as you indicated, about three years ago. Um, that uh, that particular product uh, for lymphoma uh, is undergoing review by the European uh, FDA right now, and so our hope is that it will be available. Uh, for lymphoma patients uh, sometime in the next 6 to 12 months. Um, now, you asked me about uh, about myeloma, and uh, again, going back, uh, going back 10 or 15 years, what we found was that the same target that we had uh, found for lymphoma uh, cells was actually also expressed 
prob- most likely in multiple myeloma cells. And so this per- these, the trials and experience in lymphoma now paved the way for doing similar studies and testing similar vaccines in multiple myeloma. And I should add, um, it's an exciting time for immune therapy and myeloma because they're, in addition to this target antigen that we've uh, been working on for uh, for a long time, there are now several other candidate uh, tumor proteins in multiple myeloma which are being exploited for vaccine development by other groups around the country. Amazing. Um, now, just to go back a little bit, mm-hmm. you, well, maybe you should just keep explaining <laughs> a little okay. more about uh, about myeloma. You said we were going to go back sure. and talk a little bit about what the T-cells do. So I guess in right. general, as an overview, you pull the cancer cells out, you yeah. purify them in some way, you right. package them with a a target protein yes. or an adjuvant, mm-hmm. and then you give it back to the patient, right? Is that the overall right. process? Yes, that's that's, that's, you say? That's, for, that's 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 an accurate uh, description of the strategy. Yes, um, so it is a um, uh, because this tumor protein is specific for each patient's lymphoma or myeloma. Um, meaning that um, it's uh, uh, it's sort of a, uh, a molecular signature that's unique to each patient's tumor. Uh, we have to do this process that you just outlined uh, for each patient. So uh, if we have two patients with multiple myeloma, their molecular signature is going to be slightly different, uh, and that uh, and so we have to make separate vaccine, individualized vaccines for each patient. And so this is really an ultimate personalized therapy. Um, there's a, a lot of talk these days about personalized medicine, um, and this is, uh, uh, this is really uh, a, a very good example of a personalized therapy uh, where we custom make the, uh, the vaccine for each patient that comes along. Okay, that there, that stimulates a lot of other questions. So, how do you go about doing that? How long does it take? Um, so, this is not just a drug that you're developing and giving to everybody in the same way. This is very personalized, which is completely remarkable. Yes. So, it's a little bit. Um, it's uh, it's a, a little bit uh, ahead of its time. Um, the because. Uh, uh, and it's been a little bit slow to develop um, and, uh, from a commercialization standpoint uh, because companies, biotech companies and pharmaceutical companies don't have a really good mo- business model yet for uh, personalized therapies. Uh, there are, I really can't think, I can maybe think of one example in cancer um, of a, pers- a truly personalized therapy. So that, so you know, as you may know, uh, pharmaceutical industry is they're, they're they're accustomed to the model of one drug on the shelf for many mm-hmm. people. Um, this would be one drug for one person, and uh, so it's been a little it's again it's been a little slow to catch on from a commercialization standpoint. So we've had to do a lot of the uh, to move this continue to move it forward. We've had to most of the 
uh, progress has been made still in the academic uh, sector, um, our group as well as uh, other groups working in, in this field. I think it points to the importance of um, of supporting research for uh, uh, for nonprofits and academic um, research institutions because uh, this is a very good example of of something that would not be moved forward is not being moved forward on its own by uh, the pharmaceutical industry um, just yet. I think if we have a few more successes, uh, then it will it will catch their attention and then we can count on the full power of the pharmaceutical development um, industry to, to to move it forward. Um, so in, ge- in general, how long would it take to make a particular vaccine for a particular patient's yeah, so type of right now, Yeah, so right now, uh, to make a myeloma vaccine, it takes about, the actual production process takes about uh, a week. Um, but the the release, uh, it takes an additional two or three weeks to test the product for sterility and safety uh, before it can be released uh, for use. So um, start to finish, it's about one month uh, is how long it takes. And then how do you determine dosage for something like that when you're doing this um, on a personalized mm-hmm. basis? Yeah, so that's a good question so the so the drug if you if you will is personalized the everything else is standardized though so the dose is um is is based on um a, a set a set or fixed dose the the route of immunization um is uh is under the skin um and this is all uh taking advantage of our experience with uh in lymphoma patients um, so it's, it sounds like you can modify it, but there are some parts to it that are standardized. Now, let yes. me go back to one of the questions that you said. You said that there's a target that you've been hitting in lymphoma that applies mm-hmm. similarly to myeloma, and that there right. are additional targets in myeloma that might be really good candidates. So what is the target that you are are hitting, and then I'll ask some follow-up questions about myeloma genetics. Mm-hmm, sure. So the 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 target uh, that we've been focused on is called um, is called the uh, the B cell receptor. Uh, it's this the surface receptor protein, antigen receptor protein um, that's present in all myeloma cells, um, and uh, this is the protein that's. Uh, has a unique signature from pa- that varies from from patient to patient. Um, now, I should add the the, the reason that uh, that there is a key difference uh, between lymphoma and multiple myeloma. Um, of course, they're they're comp- they're different diseases with different natural histories uh, and different responses to treatment. But uh, this particular uh, receptor protein. Uh, is present in lymphoma cells on the surface of the cell, whereas in myeloma cells, it's present internally. Um, mm-hmm. um, this is also what's referred to, most patients will know this as the M protein. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is this is the target protein. Um, so the M protein in multiple myeloma cells is internal, and then it's secreted 
um, obviously out into the bloodstream. Um, but for us to be able to uh, to successfully uh, have the immune system recognize it is a little bit of a challenge in myeloma that we don't have in lymphoma uh, because the protein is internal to the cell. So it's not visible on the external surface of the cell. Uh, uh, but T cells, uh, and this is why T cells are important, especially in multiple myeloma, have their specialty is actually seeing proteins on, that are on the inside of the cell. Um, uh, it's, it's a little bit complicated to explain, but eventually those, those internal proteins do get, pieces of those internal uh, proteins do get put on the surface of the myeloma cell where they can become visible then to T cells, um, but would be invisible to antibodies. Uh, so, so that's why it's important to have a vaccine uh, which uh, particularly stimulates uh, T cells um, and T cell therapies uh, would also be expected to work very well against uh, this particular target. So, are you saying that T cells can only recognize the protein if it's on the surface, and they can't recognize it unless something else kind of pulls it out? Is that that's is that correct? Accurate? Uh-huh. Yes, okay. that's that's correct. Uh huh. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then when yeah. you talk about how T cells work, I know um, we've done some other interviews with people doing research in CAR T cells, what's the difference? Yes. Is that the same thing or is no, that so that's, two different uh, things? That's, yeah, that's a very good question. So there is a lot of uh, publicity and uh, uh, very, very really exciting uh, responses uh, being seen in clinical trials of CAR T cells. And what a, a CAR T cell is a, a T cell that's actually been taken out of the patient's body and engineered to express a particular um, receptor and then put back into the patient. So that's different from a cancer vaccine which in which there's everything is happening inside the patient with its own native immune response. So uh, it's very much, again, like a tetanus vaccine where, where you, you get, get a shot and what it does is it activates the immune system. In this case, it activates... Uh, the T cells, which are specific for the myeloma cells, and then they go and find the tumor cells and eradicate it on their own without any manipulation outside of the body. Uh, so there are two alternative and complementary approaches. Uh, in fact, one of the clinical trials that we are uh, right in the middle of doing now um, here at MD Anderson, uh, Dr. Kozelbosch, is the principal investigator of this study, uh, is a combination clinical trial with a vaccine and uh, CAR T cells. Um, And uh, so in this particular clinical trial, uh, patients who sign up are getting a vaccine first to to, uh, activate the T cells inside the body, and then they're taken out of the body, engineered, and then put back into the body uh, and then there are actually a couple uh, booster vaccines that are given uh, to boost, further boost those engineered T cells after they've been put back in the body. Uh, so we're trying to capitalize on both uh, approaches. Um, and he already has about uh, 20 patients who have uh, enrolled and are being treated on that uh, particular um, clinical trial. And this is in myeloma or in another yes, breast cancer? Yes, no, it's in it's oh. in multiple myeloma. Yes, wow. and it is in the. I should add, it's in the setting of uh, stem cell transplantation. 
um, uh, autologous stem cell transplantation. Um, so the reason for doing this in stem cell transplantation um, goes all the way back to another principle that we established in lymphoma, which is that the best clinical setting to administer these uh, immune therapies is in the minimal disease setting. So, in other words, we don't think these cancer vaccines will work very well in a patient who has a lot of tumor on board. Uh, uh, in, the, in the case of lymphoma, we're, our, our strategy is always to get rid of 99% of the tumor cells with standard chemotherapy and then come in with the vaccine afterwards to mop up the residual tumor cells. And the same principle now is being applied in multiple myeloma in this clinical trial in multiple myeloma uh, where uh, it actually takes a stem cell transplant, as you may know, to eradicate most of the disease. Mm-hmm. most or all of the disease, to get to that same minimal disease setting. And then we come in, in this case, with the combined T- CAR T-cells and a vaccine uh, to mop up the residual tumor cells after the stem cell transplant. So it's all afterwards, because I've heard of some studies doing a little bit of vaccine before and then a stem cell transplant and then a little vaccine after, but this is all after? No, this is both. This is both. Oh, so we both. do. Right, so it's both plus the engineered T-cells after the transplant also. From what what I've heard about uh, about the CAR T-cells is they're very potent, and you have to be very careful. (laughs) Yes, so so that is the... um, uh, So that, I think, uh, is, is a complication that we do have to... Uh, that's a challenge now, but I'm optimistic uh, we'll figure out how to make them more specific. Uh, but, you know, the last thing we would want to do is to have um, any therapy be harmful, but the, the last thing from an uh, immunotherapy standpoint we would want to have happen is that this that immunotherapy be thought of as chemotherapy, uh, mm-hmm. where there's a lot of uh, collateral damage. And... Uh, because I think the beauty of the of harnessing the immune system is the specificity. Um, uh, if we can just learn how to harness it properly, and so one way to uh, direct the immune response, that angry immune response, is uh, with the CAR T cells. Perhaps would be to combine it as we're doing with cancer vaccines to kind of direct the immune response uh, more against the tumor rather than against. Um, collateral cells. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. I think it's just amazing what's happening. So to go yeah. back to what you were talking about in terms of the personalized myeloma vaccine, is that if that is just in the lab is what you're saying? It Has it been used in a number of patients or could someone uh, get that as yes. a therapy if they wanted to? Yes. So no, I, I hope I apologize for not being clear that this myeloma vaccine and clinical trial that I uh, just described with Dr. Kozelbosch uh, here at MD Anderson is is a clinical trial, so it is being actively um, offered to patients. Um, this clinical trial is also it's a it's actually a, a joint effort between MD Anderson and the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Dr. Carl June and Dr. Stadmauer's group there. So mm-hmm. patients can be enrolled, uh, can have access to this therapy at either. Uh, place, um, either in Houston or in Philadelphia. 
Okay, that's just amazing. Unbelievable. It's so exciting to hear about this. So I have a question. When it comes down to the different genetics in myeloma, you know, people have 414 translocation or an 1114 or a deletion 17. Is the vaccine more or less effective for specific myeloma subtypes in any way? Well, I think we're just we're just um as we talked about we're just now starting to test this in the in patients so i don't think we have enough experience yet to know about the um about the effectiveness of the vaccine in different subtypes of myeloma uh, my guess though is that it should be if the vaccine should be effective against uh those different subtypes that you described uh mainly because uh uh, none of the targets for the vaccine are affected by those translocations. So it should still be intact uh, mm-hmm. regardless of the translocation. So everybody still has the M, M protein, right? Yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. So when you were talking about that vaccines are best to be used with a low tumor burden, yes. I know that there are patients either with smoldering myeloma or patients with um, or who are in re- a remission status mm-hmm. that may want to do be preventative, and yes. and you know Dr. Palumbo in his interview he said even if you're MRD negative, you probably still have myeloma <laughs> cells right. Lur- right. lurking around there somewhere. Yes. So can are you using these vaccines in that way? Can you use them in a clinical trial for someone who wanted to choose that option? I know that's hard to test for, but. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. So, um, as I indicated, our uh, our group is, um, or Dr. Kozlobosh is testing these vaccines in the minimal disease setting after stem cell transplant. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other groups that I'm happy to say are taking this forward into, just as you described, the smoldering uh, myeloma setting because that also represents a minimal disease setting where the disease mm-hmm. hasn't yet really taken off or taken hold and, and had a, had a stranglehold on the immune system yet. Um, so there is a, there is a clinical trial, um, which is, uh, sponsored by a company called Oncopep, uh, which, uh, is testing a, a, vac- a vaccine in myeloma in smoldering myeloma patients. And, um, uh, they have already tested this in at least 10 patients, um, and I know we're planning to uh, test it in additional patients. Um, uh, but this particular vaccine is, is slightly different. It uses a slightly different target. Uh, in fact, it uses a mixture. It's a combination of about three or four different targets, which are different from the one that um, uh, I've been focusing on. Um, and so I think this kind of approach is uh, extremely promising um, uh, and r- represents another another shot on goal, if you will, uh, for us. Well, the only vaccines that I've heard of so far are just the, what you talked about earlier, just the over-the-counter, mm-hmm. you know, pharmaceutical company has de- or, or in the lab has developed a single vaccine for everybody. And this is the first time I've ever heard of it being individualized in myeloma. So, mm-hmm. wow, congratulations for, for well, doing that. 
Well, thank you. It's uh, it's uh, we've we've made a lot of progress, and uh, it's uh, it's required some perseverance. Uh, but uh, I think we we still have a long way to go. Um, so I'm uh, really thankful for all the um, just the opportunity to uh, uh, and the support to to be able to continue this uh, research and offer these new options to patients. Well, it's fabulous. So now I was reading about lenalidomide being used to boost the power of some of the vaccines that you've been working on in lymphoma. Is this yes. now also being tested in myeloma, and how does that work? Why would you use that? And are yes. there other, yeah. Yes, so um, we're very ex- personally very excited about lenalidomide as a potential vaccine adjuvant. Um, <clears throat> our interest in uh, in lenalidomide uh, actually came from its potential use as a <clears throat> excuse me as an adjuvant uh, for the vaccine uh, for the lymphoma vaccine. Um, and in fact, uh, lenalidomide uh, it's a, it's a very good vaccine adjuvant because it activates T cells, and so uh, many people have thought that it's, this will be an ideal adjuvant, particularly for use with a myeloma vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, first, for the because it activates T cells primarily, and secondly, because obviously lenalidomide has uh, good anti-tumor activity itself in multiple myeloma. Um, and so, in fact, the, the company that I just uh, mentioned, Oncopep, is planning their next phase trial with their peptide vaccine in combination with lenalidomide. Um, and I don't think that uh, the trial is active just yet, but um, uh, it should be uh, very soon. Um, so yes, this is a that's definitely an exciting uh, exciting idea that uh, is going to be tested soon in patients. Okay, wonderful. And are there other therapies that might boost the power of the vaccines that you're working with? Yes, so that's uh, also a very uh, active area of research uh, clinical uh, in clinical trials. Um, uh, and that's uh, with the availability of these new uh, checkpoint blockade. Um, these are monoclonal antibodies uh, such as... Um, anti-CTLA-4, it's also known as ipilimumab, uh, which has been approved already in, uh, for use in multiple, and not in myeloma, but in melanoma, skin cancer, um, but is also being tested in multiple myeloma alone. Um, there's also an antibody against the PD-1 molecule. Uh, so these are all molecules that dampen the immune response, and so if you, these antibodies serve to block the uh, block the dampening of the immune response to release the brakes, as it were, on the immune response. And so these are two good examples, the ipilimumab and the PD-1 antibodies that are now being tested pretty widespread in uh, most types of cancers. Um, And it won't be long after we have the safety data from these antibodies that we'll be able to combine them with other immunotherapies like cancer vaccines and CAR T cells in diseases like multiple myeloma. So I think those 
clinical trials will be available, those combination clinical trials will be available probably within 12 months. Well, let's talk about that for a little bit because it seems like immunotherapy is just exploding uh, with a lot of different kinds. You know, there are the monoclonal antibodies that are the CD38 and the CD8 and with the PD-1 blockers and the CAR T-cell stuff. So how do you determine which are showing the most promise and how do you weigh that and how should patients weigh that when they go to look at what clinical trial they should join? That's that's a right. challenging situation to try to figure out okay which which one do i choose <laughs> right right so it's 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 a, it's a good thing and then also a challenging thing because it's it's like having a smorgasbord of of mm-hmm. potential options and um uh the field right now uh needs to uh methodically um uh test each of these new agents first by themselves because the worst thing we'd want to do is to have undue uh, side effects or toxic toxic effects uh, to make sure these agents individually are safe uh, before testing them in uh, combinations. Um, and the combinations then will need to be designed rationally uh, because just as combinations could uh, could synergistically have a better effect on the tumor, they could also synergistically have more toxic effects. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would just, um, I would just, uh, I would, uh, you know, my my uh, recommendation to patients is is to be patient uh, with us. Um, uh, these trials, uh, it may seem, to, you know, take longer than um, uh, than uh, than than necessary, maybe to. Uh, to be to become available to the patients, um, but this kind of um, groundwork needs to be done uh, before uh, real combinations can be can be tested and offered to patients. Um, but uh, I think I'm very optimistic. I think uh, there's a lot of enthusiasm. The full weight of the pharmaceutical industry is behind uh, these products now. Um, and so I think uh, both uh, academic, uh, the progress in academia as well as in industry um, are working together uh, to make this a reality for patients. And I think it's, it, uh, it's going as quickly and as safely as it, as it possibly can right now. Well, that's a lot to coordinate. Uh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it requires a lot of collaboration and working together between um, academic institutions and and uh, and industry. Um, and and I must say, uh, I, I've been very impressed with the degree of collaboration um, uh, in general between the two. So I think this is going to translate into real progress um, for the individual patient right now. <clears throat> Uh, of course, I would. Uh, your doctor is the the best source of up-to-date information, um, and uh, obviously the, the Multiple Myeloma Research Foundation is a great source for up-to-date uh, information. Also, now, once myeloma specialists mention when we talk about combinations, um, they mention that myeloma is a disease that always requires multiple drugs. So you're trying to hit yeah. it from you know all different aspects either preventative or stimulating different parts of of the body to fight it. 
Yet mm-hmm. drugs aren't developed intentionally in combinations, but first to stand alone, they test for safety, toxicity, yeah. dosing, and then they do it in combination. So are you seeing anything in the vaccine? And you're obviously using these together. So are you seeing anything in these vaccines and immunotherapies that would encourage more um, drug combination developments as as intentional combinations? Does that make sense? Yes, as a rational. Yeah, we, another right. word to use would be rational, rational mm-hmm. combinations. Um, now, what we haven't talked about is that there is a large amount of research um, going on, primarily in academic institutions, um, in uh, animal models of multiple myeloma, where these kinds of te- combinations can be tested quickly, and uh, rational combinations can be uh, developed. Uh, this is how we uh, eventually arrived at the combination that we're testing in the multiple myeloma clinical trial with Dr. Kozelbosch now, combining T-cells and vaccine, um, and vaccine with lenalidomide. Uh, those, those were first found to be very effective in uh, preclinical animal models um, of multiple myeloma. And so uh, a lot of this is behind the scenes um, uh and gets published in uh, literature that's uh, you know not necessarily um, uh, uh, what you know patients read, um, um, but rest assured it is it is being done and it's quite active. So I think you uh, I think uh, it does actually influence when when drugs have been shown to be safe individually. Uh, it does these kinds of preclinical combination testings. Um, in animals uh, do actually guide uh, the design of combination clinical trials. Mm-hmm. And it would be so nice if we could find existing drugs that could be used together to, to do what we needed to do in my Loma. It would yes. be much faster, faster, wouldn't it? Yes, yes, that's right. right. But we have a lot of drugs now in myeloma, which um, we didn't have 10 years ago. And uh, the uh, what needs to be worked out um, is uh, is that some of these, when combining uh, some of these drugs, uh, like lenalidomide is a is a great example because it actually makes sense to combine that with an immune system, an, an immune therapy, because lenalidomide has positive effects on the immune system. But there are other drugs, for example, Velcade which probably have a dampening effect on the immune system. So it might not make sense to uh, t- uh, test them clinically, <clears throat> test Velcade in combination with a <clears throat> immune therapy clinically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why these kinds of preclinical studies uh, in animal models is, is very important. And the, and the research support uh, that goes for those kinds of studies uh, in academia is really important. Mm-hmm. And what's the phase of this study that we've been talking about, the vaccine plus the T-cell? It's uh, it's phase, it was technically phase one, uh, phase one and phase two. It's a combination of phase one and two. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's the phase one because it's the first time the combination's been tested in, in uh, human patients. Um, phase two because each of the therapies has individually been tested in patients before. That makes sense. And they're so trying it together for the first time. Right, yeah. right. So we know we know they're safe individually. Mm-hmm. Now let me ask you, um, 
about a few other papers that I was reading about your work. You were talking mm-hmm. about a three kinase inhibitor, which mm-hmm. just has a very long name, <laughs> and okay. then um, like NVP BK, BKM120. Um, yes. So I wanted to ask you about that. And then you had written a paper on something called Dickoff uh, yes. 1 as a target. So do you want to briefly describe those and then? Sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sure. Yes, I think um, we're um, slowly coming up with new potential targets in multiple myeloma cells. As as the genetics gets better, uh, we're able to uh, identify more and more candidate uh, proteins, which are uh, made either in exclusively by myeloma cells or uh, overexpressed in larger amounts in myeloma cells that would make them a potential good targets um, uh, for immune therapy, um, either targets of CAR T cells or targets of vaccines or targets of antibodies, uh, monoclonal antibodies. And the DICCOF-1, that's uh, known as DKK-1, uh, is a good example of this. This is a pro. Uh, this is a uh, a target which is um, it's expressed on to some degree in normal cells, but it's definitely overexpressed in multiple myeloma cells, and so that's why the interest in this is a potential target. And what's special about this particular protein is that it's on the surface of the cell of the myeloma cell, so it means that it can be visible to antibodies, which means it it should be possible to make a monoclonal antibody um as a as a therapy to the uh to this um uh to this target. It also should be possible to make CAR T cells to the target and um because it's on the surface um as well as internally it could be a good target for vaccines. So uh a lot of this work is uh, now being done um, at the Cleveland Clinic by a group there headed by Dr. Ching Yi Yi, and um, his group is now actively developing um, all three approaches for uh, this, um, as well as a related target called beta-2 microglobulin. I know that's a mouthful of words, but... Oh, that's um, I've heard that before. <laughs> so, uh-huh. okay. I I think that's I've heard of that before. Mm-hmm. Okay, well that makes sense. Well, maybe you can describe a little bit more about your lab and mm-hmm. where your work is headed next. All right. Well, you know I um, I make uh, I'm I still you know twenty or thirty years later I'm still excited every time I get up in the morning to come to work because. I, you know, this could be a day that we make a discovery in the laboratory that could have an impact on uh, patients, and uh, that's what I love about my job. Is um, uh, you know, I tell my kids I, I feel guilty some days for being paid um, because I love what I do, but just the prospect of of uh, of being able to move things from the laboratory from the bench to the bed from the bench to the bedside. Um, and and to have the uh, uh, the support to do that is is uh what um really spurs me on and and this is really what uh um uh my staff in the laboratory find 
really stimulating too. Many of them have been with me for uh, for 15 years, uh, almost 20 years, because they uh, they're just excited. They share my excitement about uh, about the possibility of um, uh, moving things from the laboratory to the clinic. And what we're doing now uh, is we are getting ready to take a um, and this will be of interest to multiple myeloma patients. Um, we're uh, we've developed a new uh, I'll call it a new vaccine platform. It's a new way of delivering the target protein in such a way that the immune system recognizes it as foreign. And uh, what we do is we make we the first steps are the same as what we've been talking about. That is, we have to, we take the t- individual patient's tumor cells, and we have to isolate the. In this case, we isolate the actual DNA uh, from the uh, for that target protein uh, and sequence it, and then uh, 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 we actually knit two pieces of DNA together. Uh, one with a the second one is constant, and it uh, encodes a special type of cytokine. Uh, it's called a chemokine. Um, and this fusion DNA is what's injected as the vaccine. So we're actually taking naked DNA um, and injecting that as a vaccine. Uh, and we are have done extensive testing in um, animal models of multiple myeloma and have received approval now for a clinical trial, which will probably open in January of this year in uh, in um, uh, Waldenstrom's microglobulinemia. Uh, so that, as you may know, is a is a very a disease which is very closely related to multiple myeloma. Um, and it's basically the equivalent of uh, smoldering myeloma. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh, patients who are newly diagnosed with Waldenstrom's microglobulinemia who have uh, uh, just a very small amount of disease and don't require treatment otherwise, um, uh, and whose other, only other alternative really is, is toxic chemotherapy. Um, so uh, this tr- clinical trial we're very excited about and um, we're hopeful that it will uh, be open in uh, in a few months, as I indicated. Um, and so that's that's the major effort in our laboratory right now. And this is a kind of extension of what you've already done because it's similar in that it's all personalized, right? Yes, that's right. That yes, it's personalized because the target protein, the receptor, the M protein, is mm-hmm. individualized. And then how long do you think it will be until that is brought into myeloma? I think it will be it's it's um it's really a matter of resources quite frankly. Um I think if if this uh, if this initial clinical trial is successful, um it will be done in 12 pa- offered to 12 patients, then I think it will be it will provide the stimulus to uh, to take this into the multiple myeloma setting, a very similar setting of smoldering myeloma. Okay, well, we're so very excited that you're going to work every day. <laughs> I'm so excited. It's amazing what you're doing. Well, it's uh, it's just a real privilege, and, uh, you know, we've got uh, teams of uh, scientists and, and colleagues who are just, uh, you know, eager to 
to develop new therapies for patients. Now, this whole series was um, based around the idea that if we had more patients participating in clinical trials, that your work could move along faster. Do you have any comments about patients participating in clinical trials or, or how that affects you in your lab? Yes, yeah, so I think, um, you know, I think uh, clinical trials um, are really important to move uh, the field uh, forward. Uh, I think the vast majority of clinical trials also have the potential to benefit individual patients uh, because this is how clinical tri- this is how drugs get developed. Um, if you look at all of the established drugs now, which we take for granted, uh, let's say in multiple myeloma, um, say uh, thalidomide or uh, Velcade, um, they were all first available only in clinical trials. Uh, and so if you were one of the lucky participants uh, in those early clinical trials of Velcade or lenalidomide, um, you got access to a drug which eventually was shown to be highly active. Um, and so I encourage all of my patients, if a clinical trial option is available, and if there's any way they can you know, at all participate in a trial, uh, from that, that they seriously consider it. Um, um, and I, you know, I, I guess I, uh, I can't state that strongly enough. Um, uh, I think there's sometimes clinical trials are viewed with, with skepticism by patients, um, and on the, and, uh, but, uh, I, I, in my experience, uh, the clinical trials, um, uh, c- uh, cannot get, uh, a clinical trial cannot be get to the point where it's actually offered to a patient unless there's some potential benefit to the patient. Um, so I think it's always in a patient's best interest to um, to consider a clinical trial. And I completely agree, which is why we started this series. And I participated mm-hmm. in multiple clinical trials, and um, I'm a huge advocate for participation. But it sounds right. like you also need the resources in order to continue the work so you can have a clinical trial. Yes, exactly. And that's where that's where the, the, the challenge that we're faced with in academia now is is research funding uh or the the lack of it uh because as the as the federal government support for cancer research in general has gone down in recent years. Uh there are a lot of good ideas that are not getting tested and uh, mm-hmm. including in multiple myeloma. Okay, well, we we are will be participating in that piece and we'll um we'll be sharing a little more about that later, but I wanted to open it up and take some time for caller questions. So, if you have a question for Dr. Kwok, please call 347-637-2631 and press 1 on your keypad and we will start with our our first question at 9836757. Go ahead. 
Thanks so much, Jenny. Hi, uh, Dr. Kwok. This is Dana Holmes. I'm a smoldering Hello. multiple myeloma patient, mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm listening very intently to everything that you have to say because mm-hmm. um, I'm, act- I'm very interested in trying to find a clinical trial that might mm-hmm. be a good fit for me. Mm-hmm. And I've been looking at the Oncopep vaccine trial, the one that they're now coupling yes. with Rev, but I realize mm-hmm. I have to have a particular type of um, immune system, so I'm getting tested for that to see if this is actually a, a possibility for me to consider. And mm-hmm. also the PD-1s. Um, yes. I think that they're, uh, they hold a lot of promise as well. Yes. So I'm listening to what you're developing as well, which mm-hmm. is really exciting to hear as a smolderer, because I, mm-hmm. I think that we may hold the key to really figuring out if this disease can be, you know, really stopped in its tracks. Right. So with that said, um, should I hold tight? Should I sit back? Should I just hold tight and see what else is on the horizon? Or, in your Mm -hmm. opinion, is it worthwhile now to perhaps pursue one of the ones that uh, exist? And and I'm, I'm... Speaking particularly about the ones with the immunotherapy, because that personally to me um, is what I'm looking for. Sure. Um, so I think um, first of all, uh, you have uh, you have the luxury of of time. Um, this is the um, you know the the smoldering myeloma. Uh, uh, situation can go on for uh for you know for a long time and um so I would not be quick to to jump into uh, a particular therapy um but uh, that said uh, I think there's very little downside to uh uh to um in trying a therapy like the Oncopep vaccine um Mainly because it will, it should not eliminate any future options for you. Right, Dr. Richardson explained that. Mm-hmm. Right, and that's that's uh, that's that's a, a very important, and also because it pr- probably will not do harm. Um, and uh, and I say that because it's a specific vaccine, unlike the PD-1 antibodies, which will activate uh, the immune system in general. Um, and that's why sometimes you get side effects, uh, mm-hmm. unanticipated side effects. Uh, so I would be a little more en- enthusiastic about the Oncopep vaccine in your situation um, for those for those reasons. Um, and uh, but I think you know, the overarching consideration is that you have uh, is that you 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 can afford time to to. Uh, to wait or anticipate uh, until we do develop uh, therapies that are clearly effective in the smoldering myeloma setting. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think that's you're doing... The, that's you're doing the, uh, the trick. We, we, no one really knows when you actually could, you know, the switch gets right. turned. Um, so, right. It's, right. you know, it's, it's, it's a, a tough situation to be in in that watch and wait. You know, um, mm-hmm. you want to be proactive, but then on the other hand, you don't want to jump the gun. Um, right. So, but right. this the the Oncopep sounds to me very interesting, and again because Dr. Richardson had also explained that it triggers that the T cells. Um, so yes. even even right. if you do end up progressing um, and have mm-hmm. go down the road with a stem cell transplant, that they're hoping that maybe that T cell um, reaction, I guess, that you get mm-hmm. would mm-hmm. somehow be maintained. So yes. Um, yes. 
All righty, and MD Anderson's also participating in that, aren't they? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, MD Anderson yes, did participate in the first in the first mm-hmm. trial. Yeah. yeah, I'm not I'm not sure what the plans are for this the one right. with the Revlimid, right? Well, I look forward to um, hearing about your future ones as well. We'll be keeping an eye on that. Thank you so very much for your time oh. well, and you're for quite what welcome. you do. Well, Thanks. you're quite welcome. Yeah. Bye now. Bye now. Okay, thank you for your question. Okay, our second question. Please go ahead with your call. I mean, with your question. Well, hi. Thanks for taking the call. Uh, I have two questions, um, one for Dr. Kwok and one for, for Jenny. I'll start with Dr. Kwok first. Um, how do you do you have to harvest the stem cells? Let's say you've been through a stem cell transplant and you're in remission. Mm-hmm. Um, for the particular trial that you're, you're, you're in process with right now, do yes. you have to harvest the stem cells prior to your first transplant? Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you have to know that you're going to participate in this trial, or could you pick up somebody on the back end of the trial? Yeah, so that's a, that's a good question. Um, at this time, it's only possible uh, to enroll on the trial if you're going into the stem cell transplant, um, because as you indicated, you have to harvest the uh, you have to har- there's an inherent requirement to harvest the the actual tumor protein that makes the vaccine. So, uh-huh. uh, so the you know in your situation, of course, that's great news. Uh, if you're in remission, you don't have the protein uh, there to be able to harvest. Um, but but is, uh, isn't a isn't a vac- the point of a vaccine is you take it before you need it? And yes. if myeloma always comes back. Um, right. And if you've harvested right. stem cells prior to the to the transplant, that those don't count, right? Those aren't going to help that, you. That's right. You need to actually right. harvest the tumor. Right. We need to harvest the tumor exactly. Right. Since it's custom okay. made, the vaccine's custom made from the tumor cells. Okay. I understood. Yeah, but there will be um, other clinical trials, <laughs> as we discussed, um, of that are being tested, um, just uh, like the Oncopep trial that the previous caller um, asked about um, where you don't have to harvest, they're not personalized, so you don't have to harvest the tumor beforehand. Um, and um, that, that may be, you know, soon a possibility for patients like yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, this, and then the, the question for Jenny is, you know, week after week, how do you choose the doctor to come on your show? You're able to identify, you know, kind of groundbreaking ideas week after week. Is there that much research really happening in myeloma? But my question is, I guess there is. My question is, how, how do you come up and select the doctors? How do you get access to these amazing interviews each week? Well, I think there's an amazing pool of doctors that are focusing on myeloma, and I think it's so exciting what's been happening in myeloma. So um, some of it is just research, reading the papers, and finding out just looking at the most recent research and then contacting the doctors that are doing that research to ask about it. A lot is just pure curiosity. And then um, some of it is having patients say, hey, I heard about this. Can you call that doctor and ask him if he would be interested in participating or she because I want to find out more about it. So it's it's a group. It's uh, some group help as well. But a lot of it is just it. one thing leads to another. And sometimes um, people will mention each other or that some, you know, Dr. McCarthy mentioned that 
Dr. Holstein was working on something, and then um, someone else mentioned that Dr. Kwok was working on something. So then I reach out, and and if they're willing to share, they participate, which we totally love. Uh, well, this this patient-to-patient support is amazing, and, and collaboration with the doctors is unprecedented. So uh, keep up the great work. Uh, thanks for letting us participate. Well, thank you very much for your question. Thank you. Dr. Kwok, thank you so much for joining us today. We are so thankful for your leadership and your research to move immunotherapy and vaccines forward as quickly as possible for us. So our our hearts are just full of gratitude for you. Well, it's just uh, it's really a privilege to be working in this area and uh, it's really been my pleasure to be on with you today on the show and um to be able to communicate some of the enthusiasm that we have right now in uh, to patients directly. So thanks for uh, the opportunity. Well, it's wonderful what you're doing, so just keep going. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Well, Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Innovation in Myeloma. Join us for our next interview as we learn more about how we as patients can help drive to a cure for myeloma by joining clinical trials. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.